0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. I hope you are enjoying this week as we discuss all things Israel and the doctrine of Abraham's seed. Hope this has given you a better understanding of it. On Tuesday, we kind of went through the basics of that doctrine and teaching. And then yesterday, we uh, went through a sermon uh, debunking replacement theology by Sluter and just showing the ridiculous lengths people will go to to protect their false doctrine, and boy, I'm telling you, a little bit of humility and just the ability to say I was wrong is one of the most valuable things that you could have when it comes to theology. Dispensationalism creates so many brick walls that people just can't get through in their theology, and I'm telling you, once you break those walls down, when uh, understand it opens up so much more of the Bible for you dispensationalism builds walls where God broke down walls. It was Jesus that broke down that middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. He broke that down, but dispensationalists want to build it back up. And it is unbelievable that people still act like there is some significance to someone's ethnicity today. How can we still be in a place where people think that's even a thing as far as Christianity goes or anything? That has to do with God. I just don't understand that, but that's where we are at. And you know what? Our nation deserve our nation right now. You know, we've got all this racial stuff that's going on, and we deserve it because as Christians, uh, we have failed in teaching the truth about racial issues and what God thinks about these things. And even Christians have lifted up a race of people above all others. And listen, if Jews are somehow better than us or have some kind of special blessing over us, then why can't we say we have some kind of special standing or blessing over black people or something like that? I mean, if that's true, why couldn't it be true about white people? I mean, come on, right? But no, that that is insignificant. It does not matter. It doesn't mean anything. But yet uh, Christians have propped up Jews and Zionism and it is, it's a bunch of garbage that has done a great deal of damage, and our country is still suffering for it. And without a doubt, we deserve it. But some of us, we have repented of false doctrine. We have gotten these things right, and we are trying to proclaim the truth about these things. And so uh, today, what we're going to do, we're going to go a little deeper. Okay. And also, I want to remind everybody, don't forget, tomorrow at noon, we're going live and doing a Q&A about all things Israel. Let's keep it on subject. If you have any questions about that, if you're not able to join us live, email them to me at the Spirit of prophecy 1611 at gmail.com or leave them in comments in this video, and we'll try to make sure we cover those tomorrow. Any verses that the Zionists like to use that maybe you struggle with, verses you think are a little confusing, could contradict what we're saying. Hey, I'm ready for the challenge. Bring it at me. The more I... Uh, allow myself to be challenged. The more confident I am in what I believe, I just read read another book yesterday defending dispensationalism. It was a short one. I uh, read the whole thing, and all it did is strengthen my position. The errors are so easy to find, and it is. It's like blindfolds are on. If you're if you're a dispensationalist, you have blinded yourself to many things, and I do. I, I see it more as brick walls. They build walls. They build divisions where God removed the divisions. And so um, important that we get these things right. So here's what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to go a little deep. Okay. What we covered on uh, Tuesday, it was basics. Anybody ought to be able to get it. We're going to go a little deeper today though. Okay. And hopefully this will be a blessing to you. Hopefully it'll be a help and you'll learn something. But what I want to talk about is what tribe of Israel I belong to. And you said, oh, I thought that stuff, you said this stuff didn't matter. It, it really doesn't. However, uh, if we want to get real technical, which we, I don't really need this. I'm doing this for the scoffers. I'm doing this for the dispensationalists. I'm doing these uh, th- this for those who are confused and uh, just sincerely confused in their theology to kind of help them out a little bit. Because whenever you talk about, how we are Abraham's seed and we are the Israel of God, dispensationalists, they lose their minds and they try to get real cute with you and they'll ask you the smart-aleck question, what tribe are you from? And they think they've stumped you with that. And the reality is it's it's actually a dumb, ignorant question. The fact that they're even asking that shows there is so much that they do not understand about the Bible. But at the same time, too... um, there is an answer, and I like to give them the answer too, just to see the confusion in their face, just to illustrate how little they know about this subject. And I, I would encourage you, if you do get asked that question, if you're not familiar, if you're you know if you're not able to answer this question, don't say this because you'll end up looking bad. But if you listen to this, I think you'll be able to explain this. But whenever people ask me that, if they want to be smart, I'll just I'll tell them I'm from the tribe of Ephraim. I'm from the tribe of Ephraim. And man, they lose their minds. They don't even really know what to say. But no, I will tell them, technically, if you want to get technical, if you want to get legal, I'm from the tribe of Ephraim. So boom, there you go. That's my tribe, Ephraim. You say, well, I need an explanation. Well, I'm glad you're here because you're going to get an explanation. But the truth is, let me explain it this way. Asking that question about what tribe I belong to, that would be like calling, you know, so calling my uh, standing as a citizen of Israel, a Abraham seed, calling that into question, you know, by asking, or you know, yeah, calling that into question by making me specify what tribe I'm from would be like calling the high priesthood of Christ into question because of the tribe that he was from. Now, we all know better than to go and to cast doubt on the idea of Jesus Christ being our high priest, even though he wasn't from the tribe of Levi. I mean, the Bible does say you're supposed to be from the tribe of Levi. You're supposed to be from the line of Aaron if you're going to be a high priest. Jesus wasn't from the line of Aaron. So how can Jesus be the high priest? Well, we have the book of Hebrews that explains all that to us. And so understand... Jesus Christ being a high priest, that did not fit with Jewish traditions and the traditional understanding of the law during that time. So he would have to address this if he's talking to a bunch of Jews who the new covenant is new to them. He would have to answer that answer that question. And he did. But here's what the writer of Hebrews did. He went and showed, hey, while this is confusing to you, according to your traditions, Let's take a closer look at the scripture and we will find out that, you know what, this is legal, Jesus being a high priest, even though he was not from Judah. Because we understand that there was Melchizedek, who was the priest of the Most High God. He was somebody who was before Levi, he was a contemporary with Abraham. In fact, it even goes to show that he was greater than Abraham. It showed all those things. And so, hey, if we can acknowledge that there was a high priest who was greater than Abraham, who was before Aaron, then, you know, and and if it was prophesied in Psalms that there would be a priest forever after the order Melchizedek, then Jesus Christ can, in fact, Be a high priest and a priest of the most high God, even though he was not from the tribe of Levi. It just showed him, hey, no, your tradition is saying one thing, but actually the scripture shows an exception here. And so Jesus Christ was a legitimate and a legal high priest for the people of Israel and for the world. And that's what he's showing in Hebrews. So that's what I'm gonna do to you today. I'm gonna show you legal precedent from the scriptures, For why me as a Gentile, as a Gentile, I can claim the promises to Israel and I can do those things because of the tribe of Ephraim, legally speaking. Some will say, well, I'm the tribe of Judah because I'm in Christ. Well, I see what they're trying to say, but there are still 12 tribes and we see reference to them in Revelation, you know, and so um, I, I do believe that we, uh, as a Gentile, I will claim uh, the tribe of Ephraim. And I'll show you why. And so here we go in Genesis chapter 48. Go ahead and look at what it says in Genesis chapter 48. We have Jacob. He is blessing uh, Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And uh, he blessed Manasseh. And then when he gets to Ephraim, Notice what it says in verse 17, it says that when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he said, and he he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head, and Joseph said unto his father, not so my father, for this is the firstborn, put thy right hand upon his head, and his father refused, and said, I know it my son, I know it. He also shall become a people and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. And he blessed them that day saying in thee shall Israel bless saying God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. All right. So right there, do we think this is just a random story that just happened, you know, the Bible recorded or is there some major prophetic significance? Once again, we have the old, the younger brother outshining the older brother, just like with Cain and Abel, just like with Ishmael and Isaac, just like with Esau and Jacob, just like with uh, yeah, Ephraim and Manasseh, just like you have the prodigal son and the older brother. You have Jesus, the son of God, but he also outshines Adam, which was the son of God. So, This younger brother always represents that of the spirit. And so here we see again that pattern of the younger brother outshining the older brother. But notice what Jacob specifically said about him in verse 19. He said, In his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. What's interesting about that In Romans 11, and I know every dispensationalist is familiar with Romans chapter 11. They've been butchering this entire chapter for years. But what does it say in Romans chapter 11? In verse 25, it says, For I would not, brethren, you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved so notice what he said there that blindness in part is happened to israel until the fullness of gentiles come in what's interesting about that if you look up the you know the definition of multitude there in genesis 48:19 you know what one of the definitions is of that word it's fullness if you look up the hebrew word there one of the definitions it has is fullness If you look up nations, it said he'll become a multitude of nations. One of the definitions of that is Gentile. So basically what Jacob prophesied is that Ephraim would become a fullness of the Gentiles or a multitude of nations. That's what he prophesied about Ephraim, that he would become great and become a multitude of nations. So... I don't think I'm going out on a limb to connect Ephraim to what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 11. In fact, we're going to see some more connections to some prophecies about Ephraim and the writings of Paul. So just understand that term um, nations, okay, nations, heathen, Gentiles, these are kind of used simultaneously in the Bible. In fact, in Isaiah 9:1, it says, nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, in Galilee of the nations. Matthew 4.15, quoting Isaiah 9.1 says, the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. So can you see how nations and Gentiles, is referring to the same thing. And so, when Jacob said Ephraim would become a multitude of nations, he was saying he will become a fullness or multitude of Gentiles. And so, in Romans 11, it's saying that blindness and parsimony is until this multitude of Gentiles comes in. Comes into what? Into that olive tree. Because God wanted Gentiles to be a part of the covenant. The Gentiles were not plan B. That is a false doctrine of dispensationalism. That is a bunch of foolishness. It has always been God's plan for Gentiles to be a part of the covenants and the promises that God gave to Israel. And yes, like Sluter said yesterday, God said, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. But we are in fact included in that. There's no doubt about that. In fact, it says in Genesis 17:3 and Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me behold my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. God is always intended to go to have people from all nations. Luke 2:10 says and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Messiah coming for Israel was good news. It was good tidings of great joy for all the world. So Jesus Christ, too, was how people from all nations would be able to become a part of the covenant. You say, but yeah, what about these people aren't from Israel? So look at all these technical things in the scripture. Jesus Christ removed all of those things because Jesus Christ was legally, physically, from Israel, from Judah. He kept the law. He paid for sins on, on the cross. And so all we have, if we are in Christ, we're good. We're covered. Doesn't matter where we descend from. It doesn't matter what laws we violate. It doesn't matter if we didn't get circumcised on the eighth day or keep all the feasts or the Sabbaths or whatever. Jesus is the fulfillment of all those things, and all nations have been blessed through Abraham's seed through Jesus Christ. So Let's, so let's talk a little bit more about Ephraim, okay? Because, again, why are, we, why are we talking about Ephraim? It's important that we understand this is something that God always saw coming. God always intended to include the Gentiles. So in Psalms 78, 67, uh, verse 67, says, Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph and chose not the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. Now this is something dispensationalists don't understand. Dispensationalists, which is funny because they are obsessed with the Jews, don't even understand what a Jew is. The Jews were those who were of Judah, of the southern kingdom. We never even see that term used in the Bible until the kingdom split. And you had Judah and you had Israel Israel. It's important you understand the difference between the two. So there's a difference between Judah and Israel. Ephraim, okay, so just like Judah was the lead tribe of this, of that southern kingdom and where the capital was, after the kingdom split, Ephraim eventually became the lead tribe and the capital of the northern kingdom. So just like Judah, it, it, it included Benjamin it included Levi Ephraim if it's talking about Ephraim it includes all the other tribes as well that's what you have to understand so Judah and Jews okay that that's one group and then you have Ephraim and Israel that's another group okay make sure you understand that dispensationalists they they never want to talk about this they just they see it everybody you know all Israelis as is Jews or whatever but Make sure, let's make sure we're being biblical and we're accurate. They're very sloppy in their doctrine. and That's why they have the mess that they do. So notice in Psalm 78, it says that God chose not Ephraim, but he chose Judah. Because understand, Ephraim, while they went into great uh, apostasy and wickedness, God ended up choosing Judah. What does that mean? That means the seed is going to come from them. From Judah. Again, it's about Jesus. So, And guess where Jesus came from? Judah. Came from the line of Judah. He came from the southern kingdom. Didn't come from the northern kingdom. Came from the southern kingdom. And so why did God reject Ephraim? What did they do? Well, if you want to get specific, in Isaiah 7, verse 5, it tells us. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it and let us make a breach therein for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, the head of Damascus is reason. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. So notice Syria, um, Israel, or Ephraim, teamed up with Syria against the Jews, against Judah, against God's people, and this upset God greatly. And and so God said within three score and five years, within 65 years, Ephraim is going to be broken that it be not a people. And if we go and we look at the, uh, during the time of the Assyrian Empire, Israel got taken captive while Judah was spared and preserved. And Hosea uh, does a lot of prophecies that are mainly geared towards the northern kingdom. Okay? that And so, and we're going to go to those in just a little bit. So when the kingdom split, okay, Judah, Judah's land in Jerusalem was the capital of the tri- and the tribe of Judah Is where the kings came from that ruled over the other tribes of Benjamin and Levi, and so Ephraim eventually. It didn't happen right away, but it became like the Judah of the Southern Kingdom, and so uh, they Ephraim became the lead tribe. They were the strongest tribe, and Samaria was in their territory, in the capital of the Northern Kingdom. So Ephraim was the lead tribe in the Northern Kingdom. I want to point. I want to show you this too. So look at this. Uh, we have this map here of, of Israel, and it shows how the tribes were divided up. We'll zoom it out a little bit. But notice, so down there in Judah, that's where Jerusalem uh, would be. That's where the southern kingdom is. And you'll notice um, that Ephraim is right above Benjamin because Benjamin was a part of that southern kingdom. So it's kind of the first main part that you go into when you start going north. And so it was kind of the capital. Uh, it, it ended up becoming the capital in that area. And just just like when you talk about Judah, it encompasses a lot. It was the same thing with Ephraim. And so that northern kingdom was the lead tribe. It was taken over by the Assyrians. But Judah's judgment didn't come till years later. Judah's judgment, it came during the time of the Babylonian Empire. Now, when Judah got taken captive, we have Jeremiah that writes a lot of the prophecies kind of before, during, and after the captivity of Judah. But understand, when the Bible prophesied about the 70 years of captivity, that was not for Israel. That was for Judah. That was for the Jews. If you go to Ezra, we're, we're, I, I would encourage you to go listen to my Sunday school series that I, I'm doing. We're going through Ezra right now. If you go in, uh, I think it's chapter two, you might see this in chapter one, but it's spelled out. The people who came back were from Judah and Benjamin and Levi. It was the Jews that came back. It was not Israel. It was the Jews that came back. In fact, there were even some Levites that couldn't prove their lineage. And so they were considered polluted from the priesthood. It wasn't the other tribes. It was the Jews who came back. It was Judah. Remember that. And that was a fulfillment of, of many prophecies about them being restored to the land that we read about in Jeremiah. But understand, we also see some prophecies in Ezekiel. We see prophecies in some other places where Israel is also going to be restored too. Now, when did that take place? When do we see Israel being brought back into the covenant? When do we see Israel or the northern kingdom or Ephraim when do we see them becoming coming back into the covenant, becoming the people of God again? When did that happen? Now, some would probably try to tell you, well, that's still yet to come. God's going to do that in the future. So my you know, my and my question to them would be: okay, well, if that's the case, then is he going to do that with Israel or with Jews? Because again, they don't really understand the difference. And so you can really. Throw these people off and reveal their ignorance when you talk about these things, but here's here's what happened historically. We can see this through the Bible. I'm not going to go into a lot of details on this. I'll be talking about some of this on Sunday during Sunday school. But the Northern Kingdom, after they got taken captive during that Assyrian Empire, uh, I think his assnapper was his name. He basically put a bunch of Babylonians in that area. When they put him in the area. They started getting attacked by all these wild beasts and stuff because, you know, God wasn't with them. And they, so they feared God, and then they decided, we need a priest. And so they went and they hired some Levite to be their priest, and they were thinking, you know, we'll please God with our sacrifices and things. Not going to go read all that stuff. But ultimately, they came up with a fake version of Judaism. That God did not sanction and that God did not recognize. And that was still around during the time of Christ. Because you remember Jesus talking to the woman at the well, and they had a mountain where people worshiped. And the Samaritans, they didn't like Jesus because he had his face set it was as though it were to go to Jerusalem. And the the Samaritans, they had a place in Samaria where they worshiped while the Jews worshiped in Jerusalem. But the, the Samaritan place was not legit. God did not God did not recognize it but during that time that northern kingdom got very mixed with gentiles i mean it was it was filled with gentiles and so you kind of have your pure breed jews that are in that southern kingdom but then over the years the those other areas just got very intermixed and so the jews they kind of looked down on these people they were like out, you have the outcasts of israel you had those you know um You know, you had Samaritans and people that they hated. But while the Jews rejected the Samaritans, understand God accepted them. God loved them. And and for example, I'm not going to take time to read the story, but this is something a lot of people don't realize. The parable of the prodigal son. What is the parable of the prodigal son all about? The parable of the prodigal son is about the restoration of, of Israel or Ephraim or or Gentiles that's what it is it's a it's a it's a reference to that of them coming back to the father them coming back to the fold those who are not a people becoming the people of God and the older brother represents the Jews who did not like that they didn't like seeing their brethren who weren't faithful being accepted back in. They didn't like that. That's why Jesus gave that parable there because you did, you had these self-righteous Jews having a problem with all these outcasts and, you know, low lives and things that Jesus Christ is loving and accepting. They didn't like that. They should have been happy about their brethren returning to the fold. And you know, and I kind of think too, <clears throat> Joseph here trying to stop his father from giving Ephraim the blessing it's kind of a picture of the Jews not wanting the Gentiles to receive salvation or part of the inheritance. And just like Jacob, though, put the blessing on both of them, we see that he mainly puts it on Ephraim. And while God offered salvation to the whole world, you know, to the Jews and Gentiles, Gentiles received a greater portion than the Jews. Same blessing, same salvation, But the Gentiles, more Gentiles have received it than Jews. So Manasseh kind of represents the Jews, the children of the flesh. Ephraim represents those of the Gentiles and those of the spirit. And guess what? Some of those Jews of the flesh got saved, a remnant, a remnant. But understand, the Jews were wrong when they were shutting people out of the kingdom and Jesus called them out for that. They were shutting people out of the kingdom while they weren't even going in themselves. Not only that, after the time of Christ, they persecuted the church, just like Ishmael persecuted Isaac, just like Cain persecuted Abel. They did this very thing. And so this it's very important that we get a hold of this here because Ezra and Nehemiah, it's showing the fulfillment of the prophecy of the restoration of the Jews, Judah and Benjamin. But what about the restoration of the other tribes? Because that is also prophesied too. So, is Israel going to be restored, or Ephraim going to be restored in the future, or has it already happened? Well, let's go to Hosea. Let's go. Let's go look at what it says in Hosea. Because remember, Hosea is a prophecy, and Judah is kind of included in this prophecy. But understand, during this time, Judah Judah ended up getting right, and uh, they ended up being spared judgment during that time. Theirs came later, but understand this is primarily about Israel or the Northern Kingdom or Ephraim. Okay, I'm just trying to make sure I'm using all these terms biblically. And look what it says. It says, then said God, call his name Loamai. For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. That's what he said he was going to tell Ephraim. But watch this. Yet, the number of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So notice we have a prophecy, again, showing that Israel or the Northern kingdom, it was going to be said, you are not my people. But in that place where it said, you're not my people, you're going to be called the sons of the living God. In fact, there's going to be more of you. It's going to, you're going to be like the sand of the sea. He said that about Israel. And he said, you're going to be joined to Judah, to the ones that he had chosen, that Israel was going to be joined to Judah. Are are, are you as Getting the fact that you have not been using the terms Israel and Jews in a biblical way. okay? There, and there's a reason because you are dispensationalist. But there is a clear distinction in the Bible between Israel and Judah or the Jews. And so understand this prophecy where it says, I'm going to call them my people which are not a people. That wasn't fulfilled in Ezra and Nehemiah. Go read it. That was Judah and Benjamin and Levi that came back. The Jews. Israel didn't come back. Ephraim didn't come back. So when was this joining of Israel and Judah? When did these two sticks become one? And when we talk about Israel, who all does that include? Is it just people from those 10 tribes? Or is it more than that? Well, Here's how we can here's how we can find out. Why don't we go and see how Paul used that passage? When Paul was preaching to the Romans, Gentiles, what did he say in Romans 9 21? Hath not the potter power of the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor, another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? Which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he saith also in Osi, which is Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved, and it shall come to pass. In the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. So notice here that Paul is quoting this passage and he's applying it to the Romans. How's he done? But they're Gentiles. Um. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about Israel. Israel was also polluted. Physically speaking, Israel was scattered all over, you know, and people act like they had preserved all these things about themselves. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. We do see that there were obviously, you know, um, people from the other tribes. In fact, in James, what does it say? what's James written to? James, it's written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. What do we see them doing in the book of Acts? We see them taking the, the saved Jews, the believing Jews, the ones who accepted their Messiah. What do we see them start to do right away? They start going and spreading the message of the Messiah to all the different tribes out there you know why because this is the fulfillment of Hosea and when people from the 12 tribes were getting saved that is that is the prodigal son returning that is the fulfillment of that but understand we see what while these people are getting saved you know uh, of, that are of Israel from all over the world Gentiles are included with them Gentiles are included because even though Israel had failed in their keeping of the law and all those things, well, it was no different than the Gentiles. And that's what Paul shows in Genesis, or I'm sorry, in Romans chapter two, both Jews and Gentiles, all are under sin. In chapter three, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Obviously, there are a ton of things that we could put on the Gentiles and say they violated these things. They can't, it cancels them out. But we could also say that about any from Israel. In fact, we can even say that about the Jews. We could say that about them too. The reality is he is not a Jew. There's one outwardly. It's an inward thing. At the end of the day, it's about Jesus Christ. It's not about our keeping of the law. It's about it's about Jesus Christ. And so understand those prophecies that were about Ephraim, those were specifically about that northern kingdom. That's what they, that's what they were about. And interestingly enough, because remember what Jacob said, Ephraim would become a multitude of nations. So was Ephraim of Israel? Yes he was. you know would Ephraim be considered a Jew in your world? Well of course you I mean he's one of the tribes, right? Well here's the funny thing about that if you go to Revelation chapter 7 where it names 144 thousand. Okay now some of you you know you've turned these people into uh, you know a group of soul winners that get or, that are going to get saved after the rapture and all kinds of nonsense you know and that they you've named them all witnesses cuz the Jehovah's witnesses put that in your head even though it doesn't say that but notice what it says in verse 6 of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Nephilim were sealed 12,000 of the tribe of Manassas were sealed 12,000 Now, we're not going to read through all of them, but if you go read through all of these, you're going to find two tribe names missing. Dan and Ephraim. Dan and Ephraim are are both missing. Now, I've only got some opinions on why Dan's not mentioned in there. I'm not going to go into that right now. But why is Ephraim missing? You say, well, wait a minute. If there's two missing, how how do we still have 12? Because Joseph is mentioned as a tribe, and Manasseh, who was of the tribe of Joseph too, is mentioned as a tribe so what's going on here where is ephraim why did ephraim get thrown out actually i believe ephraim is, is in here because remember what jacob said ephraim would become a multitude of nations or a fullness of the gentiles and after it mentions manasseh who represents those of the flesh and here's what i believe about the 144,000. i think what god's just showing us here is the fulfillment of god's promise to abraham that there would always be a remnant, and they did. They have that remnant. There are. We see twelve thousand from each of the tribes that are saved, that are going to be a part of that millennial kingdom. That are from those different tribes. You say, are there only twelve thousand? No, there's probably actually more than that. I believe. I believe a lot of what we're seeing here is symbolic. Okay, and go ahead and sue me for that. But I believe it. I believe this is symbolic in many ways. What we're seeing here. And this is showing the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham about a seed and about a remnant. And so we do. We have 144,000. That's a pretty good number right there. But then when we get to the Gentiles, after Manasseh, who coincidentally is the last one mentioned, we end up seeing in verse 9 of Revelation chapter 7. Notice what it says. Hang on. And after this, um, and I guess Manasseh wasn't the last one mentioned. That was the last one I read. But it says, And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried at the loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. You know what we're seeing here? First off, I believe this is when, The rapture takes place, and we are all gathered together. We are all resurrected. And you know what we see at the resurrection? You know what we see standing before the throne of God? We see 144,000, 12 from the 12 tribes of Israel, showing God's fulfillment of his promise to Abraham. But we also see a multitude of nations, of people from every nation, a multitude that cannot be numbered. I believe that is Ephraim. Right there. I believe that is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ephraim when he said, His seed shall become a multitude of nation. They're not just going to be a tribe and just the tribe of Ephraim, but they're going to become a multitude of nation. And he said, and he blessed in that day, saying, In thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. So God fulfilled, we're seeing in Revelation, God fulfilled his promise to Israel. There's a there's a remnant, a good size remnant. But we also see that God made Israel, God made Ephraim, God made that northern kingdom, God made those people who are not a people like the sand of the sea. And they notice they are people from every nation, from every nation, a multitude of Gentiles, a fullness of Gentiles, a multitude of of nations, and I believe legally, legally we have a connection with Ephraim. That I believe that we are the fulfillment of God's promise to Ephraim. So again, a lot of people act like, no, you're a Gentile. You don't have some claim on an inheritance somewhere. Well, first off, that's ridiculous because Jesus Christ inherited all things, and I'm a joint heir with Christ. But at the same time, too, um, Ephraim he was, he was of Israel. Obviously, he has an inheritance. He has a claim. And so, again, if I'm connected to Ephraim, then I I have claimed the inheritance too. So, again, I'm not going to go around talking about being from the tribe of Ephraim because, one, I don't want to send the wrong idea. Two, it, it doesn't even matter anyway. Uh, what matters is, are you in Christ? But legally speaking, any anything that needs to be fulfilled from the law, I there's you could, you know, if you want to call it a legal loophole, I don't like to put it that way. I can't think of a better way to put it. I'm I'm covered through Ephraim, just like Jesus was legally able to be a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so again, what I'm telling you here about me being of Ephraim does not fit with Jewish tradition. Okay, it doesn't fit with Jewish tradition, but it does fit with the scripture it absolutely fits with the scripture cuz the reality is it has never been it's never been about race okay race okay, that is important in our messed up twisted weirdo american mindset uh god does not think that way and it's never been that way in fact even in the old testament it wasn't that way in fact let's let's close out with this in ezekiel 47 22 it says and it shall come to pass that ye shall divide it by lot for an inheritance unto you and to the strangers that sojourn among you which shall beget children among you and they shall be unto you as born in the country among the children of Israel they shall have inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel and it shall come to pass that in what tribe the stranger sojourneth there shall ye give him his inheritance saith the Lord God. So even then, you say, well, I don't know that they ever did that. Well, I don't know that they ever did that either, because in Ezekiel, God's given them some new instructions for when they rebuild their temple, and we know that Israel didn't do the things they were supposed to do. In fact, God said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But yet, is that what it was? When Jesus came at his triumphal entry? That is not what it was. They were shutting people out of the kingdom, and That's and that's one of the many reasons They were not acceptable at Christ's coming. They hadn't done any of the things they were supposed to do. But understand, even back then, God wanted strangers to be able to be a part of the covenant. And if they lived in that land, whatever tribe they lived in, that was the tribe they were a part of. Because it's not about genetics, people. It's not about genetics. And there are still Baptists out there acting like Jews can prove their lineage. Shut up. No, they can't. And even if they could... It absolutely doesn't matter. Can you get over that? I'm telling you right now, I think part of what uh, the racial turmoil and stuff going on in this country, I think is the judgment of God on our country because of bad teaching concerning race. If we're going to go lift up one race above another, and even if it's Jews above us, then it's going to make it easier for white people to justify putting themselves above black people. I mean, why not I mean, if Jews can be above us why can't we be above another race we do you understand how foolish all of that is we shouldn't even be talking about that what matters is Jesus Christ he's what makes a difference Jew and Gentile all understand flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God that's why Jesus told Nicodemus a Jew that uh he must he must be born again why? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, even Jewish flesh is flesh, and it can't inherit the kingdom of God, you must be born again of the Spirit. Bible says Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Some of you all think that's the NIV Bible or false versions of the Bible. No, the corrupt you know what corruptible seed is? This flesh. If you are born of the flesh, that is corruptible seed, and this corruption must put on incorruption. So incorruptible seed is the word of God. A incorruptible seed is the word of God. Corruptible seed is the seed that we are all born of. And the Jews' seed is also corruptible as well. They must be born again. If they are not born again, they have no claim on anything except God's wrath. And God's wrath is on all those who are not of faith. So anyway... We went a little deep today, and I hope you all learned something. And so I hope you all understood this too. Have these verses ready to go. And the next time some ignorant dispensationalist wants to get cute with you, just tell them. And they ask you what tribe you're from, just tell them Ephraim. Just to watch the confused look in their face. But don't do it unless you're prepared to actually show them uh, how you connect to Ephraim. And uh, we are a part of that multitude of Gentiles that Ephraim would become. So anyway... I hope this was a help and a blessing to you. Hope you join us tomorrow as we try to answer questions live. Thank you for watching this. We will see you all next time.